podcast for Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 9, Battle of the Bastards. I am Jason Snell, and I'm joined by some very nice people who are probably not bastards in any way. Monty Ashley, hi. Uh, I think I am, actually, but hi. And Brian Hamilton. It's very nice of you to say, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm not questioning your parentage. I was more using it metaphorically, but either way... It's good to have you both here to talk about the, this uh, set piece episode of Game of Thrones in which there's lots of action with not a lot of dialogue. It's one of those None episodes. Whatsoever. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not a silent episode. There is dialogue, but there's long stretches where there's very little. If you if you were just writing down sort of like what people said, there would be a long stretch where <laughs> nobody said anything other than arg and grah. These are the kinds of shows that were always hard to recap if you had to do it in text form, because eventually you just have to write down, they fight. Yeah. And then, that they fight. They, yeah, that's, <laughs> suffice it to say, they, they fight. Um, so, Battle of the Bastards, we, we had two settings for this one, uh, so we'll take them uh, in, in sequence. Uh, we, we, so, we will start with all the stuff that happens in Marine. How about that? I'm going to save the North for later. Uh, in Marine, uh, Daenerys has returned, uh, and Tyrion, in a humorous scene, has to explain, no, 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 things are going really well, despite the giant explosions you hear in the background. I've been doing a great job. He's like a guy who's playing SimCity. And has the economy really ticking over and is convincing you that he's winning while a giant monster is wrecking the place. Yeah. <laughs> That's about right. That's about right. But she, he, he, he talks a good game and he explains, oh, you know, I got all this other stuff going on, but... Uh, you know, but this is a problem because the masters hate you. He knows how to sort of uh, speak Daenerys's language, I think, and and uh, and so they're gonna go. Uh, you know, they're gonna go talk uh, to the masters, and um, and this is interesting too because uh, he says something to her that I think is really interesting. Where he says, uh, you know, if your plan is just to destroy um, the uh, the other city, that's uh, that's not so great. I, how about uh, we come up with a different plan than that? Which I liked. There's a lot. There's a lot of. Uh, I mean, okay. So there's so much here, uh, and I, I want to get to. The, I want to get to the. There's an amazing thing that happens at the end. But before that, uh, they meet with the masters, right? And that's a scene where they're they're there to discuss surrender. You get that classic moment. Oh, oh no no no! We're not talking about our surrender. We're talking about your surrender, masters. Which is a funny moment. Yeah. Immediately, like it was a funny moment the first five or six times I saw it in stuff. I, I would kind of prefer if this show, since it's so set on veering away from fantasy cliches, had not done that. Uh, I don't know. This time, well, my I favorite felt- thing about this was that it kind of veered away from Game of Thrones cliches for a split second, where you expect this is episode nine of the season. This is where big things happen, and it opens with uh, you know lots of loud banging and crashing and horrible things happening from the masters, and then it just stops, and they negotiate for a second. I thought, huh. This is a nice little play on the whole uh, explosive things happen this episode, and then that changed five minutes later when explosive things <laughs> actually happened. <laughs> well, I, I thought she was going to do the... Um, 
I thought she had a plan that involved like faking a surrender or something like that. But instead, you know, it was the your surrender, not mine. I think the, I, the reason I enjoyed that is because not only because I kind of enjoy that every time she does that, but that <laughs> it's followed within about 10 seconds by a shot of the masters going, so you're so silly as an out of focus in the distance dragon <laughs> flies by. And that is the moment in this episode, I think, because it's like, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> right. It's so well, amazing. That's, that, that's did- the part that killed me. I did really like seeing her ride that dragon and flame things to death. Like, I'm not made of stone. Right. Because of when I grew up, basically anything that looks like it would have been badly airbrushed on a van, I am totally into. <laughs> and that was a Frank Frazetta scene made live on my television, and that part was awesome. I like where she she mounts the dragon, and then as it takes off, it sort of skims over the soldiers who are standing there, and they all have to like dive out of the way or fall to the ground so that they don't get knocked over by the dragon. I thought that was a very mm-hmm. funny little little uh, touch of detail too, like a dragon out of the way, out of the way, dragon here, uh, and and he, you know the dragon burns a burns a ship as a show of force and uh, gets joined by its buddies. It's, it's friend dragons, it's apparently called out to, who were unchained, but have still been, I guess, hanging out in the city. Uh, we That's sort of they're, they're smaller than Drogon, which is interesting, because they've been trapped in that largish, I was going to say tiny room, but it's not tiny, it's got two dragons in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they've been trapped underground, so they haven't grown properly. I imagine so. Um, and then, oh, we get to see the Sons of the Harpy are back, are at it again. They're wearing their crazy <laughs> masks and killing people. But the Dothraki horde arrives to kill all of them <laughs> and <laughs> chops. <laughs> yep, I know, and they chop off. There's a lot of, the cavalry rides to the rescue in this episode a few times. Um, mm-hmm. And they chop off a head of a, uh, of a Sons of the Harpy guy, and you see the, the little mask kind of flies in the air with the head, and I kind of like that, too. Um, <laughs> and uh, you get the old, uh, thank you for the Armada. <laughs> which I thought was a good touch. Like, hey, we needed some boats. We got some boats now. <laughs> Presumably they're not all burned up. Right. Well, it seemed like they were doing some... Ta- like, they burned the f- that first one that was firing on them, or a- or maybe a couple of them, and it was sort of like, this is the show of force that, you know, we're going to we're gonna destroy you all if we want to, so you better, you know... And, and then they kill, the ma- they kill the two masters who try to throw the other guy under the bus, <laughs> which I also appreciate. He's an outsider. We- you should kill him. And, and Grey Worm thinks, oh, well, then I'm going to kill you two. It's yeah. like a little uh, O. Henry story there. It's almost like they have sympathy for outsiders or something. Yeah. Who knew? Uh-huh. So, does Daenerys have full control over all three of her dragons now? Full, does she ever have full control? It seems like she's got she's got con- more control, or at least uh, is very persuasive with them. And maybe maybe it's a, a trickle down thing where she's she's got the big dragon, and the other two dragons are like, "Hey, we'll do whatever the big dragon does." All right, trickle down dragonomics, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, were working, they were working together very well, and if she uh-huh. can maintain that, I have high hopes for her future. I think she's got a lot. She's got more than a wheelbarrow and a Holocaust cloak in the list of yeah. her assets. I'll say that. <laughs> There's like this really the- fantastic little moment where uh, Drogon was flying in uh, in his very first introduction in this episode, and she closes her eyes, and it looked like she was pretty scared for a hot second when oh. he was flying up with a you know massive dragon right behind her. She has her eyes closed, and you can tell she's looking uh, or putting on a big, uh, confident show for everyone. But I can tell she's a little scared <laughs> based on the dragon just flying up and you know burning everyone 
So, I don't know. Yeah, she's definitely controlling the dragons better, but um, I feel like she's still a little concerned about them. We don't know the details. We know that she flew off with him, and then he ate a lot and then fell asleep, and now she's found him again and shown up. So, presumably, she's got, and and, and she rides him and, you know, and points him, you know, point and fire at the, uh, at the at the ships um so yeah it's good we, we'll see if there are some issues there or whether the dragon problems have all been resolved and that all the dragons are are good or if they're gonna still like eat goats and stuff in the village in the villages um maybe it doesn't matter they'll just fly across the ocean eat goats there um okay so there, there's one more scene where we come back here <laughs> that I think is is fantastic. Uh, so uh, uh, Theon and Yara show up and we get, there's so much going on here. There is the, um, basically, uh, your, your father was a terrible king. Well, you and I have that in common. It's like burn. <laughs> um, that was her second burn of that style. There was also, you want to be queen? Are there a lot of queens in the Aran Islands? Well, no more than in Westeros. Yeah. And- Daenerys just kind of <laughs> nods like, all right, yeah, you got well, me with that one. Everybody everybody in this episode, in this section of it, totally gets all the like the right buttons to push with Daenerys. They're like, they're on Team Daenerys. They know what her, you know, what, what she's going to, what she's going to do and what she likes. And here, Yara is just like, yep, I'm I'm with you. I you know I, I'm going to, I want to be in charge of, of my little kingdom, just like you want to be in charge of Westeros. Um, you know, my, my jerk uncle is going to come but he wants uh he wants a wedding and uh another great line from her where she says well i'll, I'll never demand but i'm up for anything really yeah I mean. <laughs> so great this was the scene i didn't know i needed the two of them <laughs> bouncing off each other perfectly it was great and then we and get t- one of my favorite things in there which is our fathers were evil men all of us we're yeah. going to leave this world better than we found it because they they didn't do that and you you can tick it off right with with uh with the Greyjoys and with Daenerys but also with Tyrion yeah mm-hmm. and Tyrion spent the first half of that scene scoring off Theon yep who had unwisely made fun of his height back in season 1 or something like episodes mm-hmm. 1 or 2 yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of water. They say he paid for it, and it's like we don't go into it, but we we know it wasn't good. But but yeah, in the end, like they're all. I felt like this is almost like a mission statement for for what all of these characters are are doing, and almost like what the show is about, which is these are people who we've seen how terrible their their uh, their forebears have left this world, and they all kind of want to do something different. I mean, I do believe that Daenerys legitimately wants to wants to change the world. We've seen her do it with this with the freeing the slaves. She, it isn't all just about building up her assets and and ruling. It's also about changing changing the world, and I think that's really. Uh, interesting that she says that here and she's pointing at these all these other people who have had uh, terrible fathers happy father's day by the way for (laughs) this episode which is about these people with terrible fathers and i don't think it's a coincidence that this happens at the end of the season i would not be surprised if we didn't get any daenerys next episode because this is a nice little moment for us to hang our hat on they get a nice little alliance with the Greyjoys who want to bring them boats and uh they get a nice big declarative mission statement which is a nice thing to tide us over the next year but no raiding or raping Ironborn if we win this. And Yara's like, yeah, but we like that. All right, fine. <laughs> Which um, it does, totally doesn't parallel the showrunners in any way. Please, guys, please don't do that anymore. Okay, fine. Okay, we fine. Won't. We won't. <laughs> if this is the the price of uh, being with uh, with Daenerys. Anything more about Marine that you want to mention? 
Monty? Where's Varys? Get back he, in town. He's got a mission, right? He went off on his mysterious mission, and we don't know what it is. And, is and it doesn't... Even- it doesn't seem like it was bringing the Ironborn because we had, we didn't see him in this episode and they were they were there. Uh, I want him and Daenerys to have scenes together. I agree. I well, I want Me him too. to talk to Theon. Yeah. About I like yeah. more Varys. I like Varys. I like Varys too. But he went off on his secret mission, so we don't know what he's up to. Every single season, Daenerys has a big rah 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 rally moment where uh, everything just comes together. She owns a city and she conquers a city and frees a people or whatever. I feel like this time, this time, she'll finally actually be able to move past uh, this pattern. Even though she's had very similar arcs every single season, I feel like this is the one where she'll finally be able to get to Westeros next year. Especially if they're moving as fast as they've been, uh, as we've seen this entire season, really. Uh, I feel like this is the one uh, that things are finally going to go her way. And honestly, you know, who knows? Maybe next year is going to be the exact same thing again. But yeah. I'm really hoping that this one, as big as it is with Dothraki and the dragons and everything coming together all at once in these two scenes, really, really gives me hope for next year. Yeah. Well, we've been saying next year in Westeros for a long time. <laughs> I know. Her, and she ended the season, except for the addition of an army and a fleet, Right where she was at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Like, well, she- season's not over yet. Oh, that's true. Maybe yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see them next e- next week. I know you you say that, but I um I don't know. I if I saw the next time trailer and she was in it, would I say anything about that? Anyway, um, oh, I didn't watch it. I, didn't I don't know. <laughs> is this a riddle? <laughs> yes, it is a riddle, and you Whoa. you lose. But man, that's not how riddles work. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's move to the north. Then we'll leave we'll leave uh, Essos behind, and we'll move to the north outside of the the walls of uh, Winterfell. Um, this is the bulk of the episode. John and Sansa are out there uh, talking in the camp, the same camp where uh, where where uh, we we saw uh, Stannis uh, and his army kind of freeze to death, and uh, before their battle, and uh, also set Melisandre encouraged Stannis to set his daughter uh, Princess Shireen on uh, on fire. Uh, that'll come up. Uh, in the season finale, I think. Uh, <laughs> so uh, John and Sansa have a conversation uh, after. So they have the, they have the, like their battle plan and all of that. Um, and uh, and oh, do they talk to Ramsay first? No, I guess they start with talking to Ramsay. Mm-hmm. And and Every and John and Sansa are on line. their horses. Yeah. Every single line out of his mouth is dripping with condescension and assumptions and everything. When he calls her Lady Bolton, I wanted oh, yeah. to rip his face off. That was the worst part of this episode for me. But they know they got to get in all their all their Ramsey now because they're gonna. You know, I think it was readily apparent to most of us that this was going to be it. Like this had to mm. be where Ramsey finally uh, finally got it. And uh, it was, <laughs> but that's later. Uh, here, yes, he is. He is super awful, um, and uh, he he says things like, "There's no need for," uh, or "I'm a man of mercy." That was a laugher. I like. I I thought that was really funny. Um, but John does say, "There's no need for a battle." You're right because we can just fight it out between us. And will and and will your men want to fight for you when you won't fight for them? So John's playing a good game, and and Ramsey admits that, but. Um, and then Sansa gets in the last word where she says, you're going to die tomorrow. Sleep well. So, so good. Um, but 
that leads to the strategy session and all the men in the tent talk about it and there's some interesting stuff uh including the line if he was smart he'd stay in winterfell but that's that's ramsey right he's not that mm-hmm. smart he's he's gonna play his games and then when when they break up for the for the evening to go you know the onion knight's gonna walk around and um the what is it <laughs> tormund is gonna have some fermented uh goat's milk yeah something along those yeah. lines i really like how they uh you know just set him up knock him down set him up knock him down he says he's gonna walk and we see him walk almost immediately it yeah was a nice well, little payoff but <laughs> uh, uh, we skipped over the uh war table meeting itself which Okay. Really briefly, they talked a lot about strategy and then implemented none of that. Correct. I well, disagree. They were, they were, oh, that was a pincer movement, was it? No. The whole army stands here and drives straight forward at the other army <laughs> no. that's driving straight well, at that's, us. That's, what that's, an odd pincer they have so, in Westeros. So no, this is this is exactly what happens here. Is is so Santa, so they all leave and Sansa basically says. Um, you didn't even ask me, which I think is a really nice moment where she's like, I actually know this guy better than everyone. And I'm just standing over here in the corner while, while all the men talk and you didn't even think to ask me. It's like, I know this guy. I, and it's like, Oh, I bet, but I've, I've uh, met bad people. I can take care of this. And she's like, you do not know this guy. And we mm-hmm. all, we all know what she knows. And we know that she's right here. He plays with people. You don't have enough men. Um, uh, you know, she says, did it ever occur to you that I might have some insight about this guy? And I thought that was really good. Um, and then the other, the other advice she gives him is don't do what he wants you to do. And this is the thing is they totally don't do their strategy because but John they, does what he wants him to do. John runs after, uh, after, uh, Rickon instead of staying back. Up. They weren't lined up for that strategy anyway. They were all just standing in a block facing the other block. If they wanted to start a pincer movement from that, the first thing they'd have to do is split up and run around to the sides in full view of the other army. Well, I Somebody think, played Civilization this week. I think it's unclear because I think the idea was that they were going to hold back because that was what they said is they're going to make him come to them. And then and then I, I, I think... I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that perhaps there is something going on there. But, you know, the fact is they don't implement anything because John is dumb and runs mm-hmm. forward and does exactly what <laughs> Ramsey wants him to do instead of hanging back. Where they said, like, literally, they said the only chance we have is to hang back and have them come forward at us. And that exactly, you know, is the opposite of what happens. For me, my takeaway for the scene was the fact that they were psychoanalyzing Ramsey through his possible strategies. Like, he, they should have waited in Winterfell and let them uh, siege, but he didn't. He was too aggressive. Ramsey was too aggressive and just kind of went for it, which ended up being their downfall because when they retreated, there was no way for them to, uh, to hold Winterfell because everyone was already out in the field. So, what I liked from the scene was them figuring out what he may or may not do based on Winterfell because he doesn't understand Winterfell. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is, is we get two very funny jokes with Tormund here where he takes everything <laughs> literally. Uh, he has demon, he had demons in his head. He's like, what in his head? He had demons. No, not <laughs> actual demons. Tormund. Yeah. That's not what I'm, that's not what I mean. Um, I just like those little funny moments with yeah. that character. That's a funny, that's a <laughs> funny character when he's not, you know, killing people. I thought it was interesting that he and the giant were hanging out together right before the battle. Yeah, it's like because like, they know the they're you know, Norse Tormund Giants Bane. <laughs> it's more of a family name. Okay. 
<laughs> the one guy that name means anything to is standing right next to him. Do yeah. you think maybe he doesn't know? I think that's it. I think they never shared names. They never exchanged <laughs> names. Um, another great line that I feel like goes back to some mission statements of this show is when Tormund and the Onion Knight are talking, and they're talking about believe. Hmm. You know, we believed. We each believed in our kings, and they let us down. And they say maybe that was our problem, believing in kings. That it's like mm. yes, yes. I thought that was really good. Jon Snow, not a king. That's for sure. Definitely not. Not a king. 100%. We also get a nice scene between Jon and Melisandre Mm -hmm. where uh, they try to piece together uh, uh, whether or not Jon should come back. He does not want to come back if he falls, which was a weird touch considering how hyped up his revival was at the mm-hmm. beginning of the season and he and well i mean you got to give some stakes i suppose to him being in this battle you're worried that he's <laughs> gonna die and 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 uh she's like no i'm totally bringing you back but what i like about that is to, to back to monty's point about like seeing the scenes that you've seen a million times before this surprised me because i i i really thought that this would go you know don't bring me back and she's like but and he's like ah, 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 that's an order i'm your commander and she's like no i'm just yeah. no i am not gonna follow your wishes i'm gonna bring you back if i can because the red god wants that (laughs) and she didn't mention this but if you're dead you're not the commander yeah you don't have a say anymore we'll just do uh we'll just do what you want and uh but that leads to john you know there's this question like what kind of god would bring me back and then just have me die again here and she i mean totally embittered melisandre she's like the one we've got that's the god we got the the god we got kind of a jerk You go to war with the god you've got, not the god you want. (laughs) I guess so. You a god that can do both. Uh, She seems (laughs) so much more doubtful about about all of her powers and her god uh, after the end of last season where the daughter's burning did not go so well. And she seems more pragmatic, too, to the point where she's like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. If the gods want you to die, great. If the gods want you to live, also great. Let's see what happens. She doesn't have any power other than the one that is given to her, she says. Right. And the god gave me Jon Snow. So there she is, trying to deal with whatever card she's dealt. And in this scene, also, the Onion Knight, uh, on his on his uh, perambulations before the uh, battle the next day, f- uh, finds the place where they burned uh, Stannis' daughter at the stake and finds the, the remnants of the carving he gave her in the... Uh, which I, I think it's been a while, and, and that, that's pretty lucky that, he, that she dropped it there and that he <laughs> found it exactly there. I know this is going to be my season where I complain about people finding things conveniently <laughs> on the ground, but here we They're are again. very sharp-eyed, Jason. Yeah, they They're are. very lucky. They they are, but that's you know that's 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 a bad sign. That's that's bad. that scene ends with the sun rising behind him, and yeah. you can see the colors of the sky looking just like the pyre from last season. Mm. It was heartbreaking. Oh, very nice, very nice spot, Brian. Um, and the horns. <laughs> it's it's time to get going, and uh, it's battle time. And and then that leads into our second uh, our second segment. This is the big fight segment. They the uh, the the uh, what is it? The Boltons ever so um, literal, literally. You know they they've got we've got flayed men upside down on literal a on a big men. cross on fire on our uh, banner. We're gonna do that. <laughs> Okay, so there's a bunch of flayed men out there on fire, uh, two big armies, uh, and uh, and it begins with uh, Ramsey's ploy, which is he brings out Rickon, and uh, and the sadist that he is, he uh, has him run to Jon Snow while he tries to shoot him with arrows, and misses, and I don't know if, if Ramsey's maybe a really good shot, because he misses and misses and misses, and then as soon as Rickon gets close to Jon, he shoots him right through the heart. 
And oh, I think yeah. that that was he was missing on purpose. Yeah, playing mm-hmm. with him. That's what I wrote down is Ramsey is playing with him because he plays with people, like she said earlier, and this is exactly what this does, and it lures John out into the middle of this battlefield by himself. Because he is a dum-dum. Because he is a big dummy who did not listen to uh, what his sister said, which is don't do what Ramsey wants you to do. I really thought John was going to do better than this, but of course not. And even Torment at one point says, don't, don't, but it doesn't matter. He's, He's going out there. Sansa mm-hmm. was right. As soon as Rickon became Ramsay's hostage, he's dead. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. Forget that guy. And she and the she goes and spare. She goes through it. barely remembers he exists. Yeah, this is true. And he's grown a lot since then, so he's not even recognizable anymore. But no, she's exactly right. It's like, why would he ever, he will never let him go because he is a legitimate Stark. Uh, and so he, he's going to kill him. And she's absolutely right. And she knows yeah. that. And he doesn't get it. And it's another example where Sansa totally knows how this is being played. And, uh, and they don't want to listen to her. But she knows. Then... A lot of people die, and there's a lot of noise, and there are a lot of quick cuts, and there's and there's a lot of spectacle that happens. Um, right. And now, so we should talk about about fight scene spectacle because that is that is the bulk of what happens until the very yeah. end of the episode. So, Monty, go yeah. ahead. Before we started, um, you had a comment that you need to repeat now. All right. Well, let me build up to it a second. Okay. Just set the scene. So, John runs out. Rickon gets hit by an arrow just as John gets there. Yes, it's tragic. at this moment. If John was smart, he could turn around and go back to his army. But no, he charges forward, and his horse gets arrowed out from under him. And the cavalry charges at him, and he is ready to fight. And then his cavalry charges past him, and now the battle is joined. And I was just bored out of my mind for the next 15 minutes of the most expensive television ever made. Mm. Parts of it were pretty. There were some great shots, but I didn't care. Interesting. Brian, what did you think? Hmm. I was more optimistic about it until I heard Monty say <laughs> was. What? Because, no, have your reaction. <laughs> no, see, I, I, I enjoyed it at least, but you're right. Nothing happened. I will never want to sit down and watch this episode again. It feels like watching Return of the King, where it's great, <laughs> you, you're enthralled, but it goes on way too long and nothing much happens except for lots of blood and guts and no one of consequence dies until like very key moments like there were times where i thought oh my god wait is that john off in the distance getting so-? oh no that's not him okay yeah because even, any main character with a uh, cre- cast credit needs a uh, slow motion death yes yeah. it, eventually the there's a eventually there's a cool shield wall around them mm-hmm. and that's kind of neat and then there's like five ten minutes more of action that didn't seem to go anywhere yeah so wait the uh the big shield wall around them did the bolton army build that wall of dead people to keep them on one side was that strategic or was that just an accidental thing that no worked they, in their favor yeah people? i think they were move. i think the people in front of the dead body wall were moving forward and then they they were encircling them and then they also like were they couldn't they weren't retreating because there was the big dead body pile behind them and and then they had the people coming over the top and when they did try to retreat over the dead body pile so i think that was just how the how the battle went that it, that it ended up working that way. And that was Ramsey's plan all along was to be able to encircle them and then swing their other set of guys around from the back to pick anybody off who tried to retreat. Yeah. We did learn uh, some of Ramsey's plan, which made sense, which is that once everybody was in close quarters fighting, he just had his archers fire randomly into that crowd. Right. Killing his own people as well as the enemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because he's a peach, that guy. Which yeah. the Onion Knight doesn't do. He's like, it's just going <laughs> to hit our own guys. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, I So... I liked the first part of the battle. It was very Lord of the Rings, except fewer elephants. Um, <laughs> way fewer elephants. Uh, because I feel like, uh, just like with something like a Civil War battle, I think the idea that you have this abstracted... I mean, remember when this? Remember when the show did battles with armies earlier and it would literally be, you'd see the before and the after and none of the during because there's no way they could afford that. Like with when, uh, yeah. <laughs> when uh, Rob Stark was out doing battles. Well, it, I think it's good to see the reality of, of a battle on a field like this where it's just people running at each other and, and just huge just piles of bodies and everybody dies and it's really awful i think i think it's powerful to see that i thought that first part with the chaos of the battle was kind of interesting uh although i agree it did probably go on too long i thought once they got in the shield thing i thought it did go way on on way too long and and the whole thing where john kind of gets falls down and is getting getting stepped on i was really even unclear about like who was stepping on him and was it his own guys or the other guys and and that was that was just not even clear to me about what was happening i get that that what they're doing is they're compressing them so they have nowhere to go and they can just sort of like keep pushing inward with their spears and they've they've completely taken them but uh i felt like it was partly confusing and part just like went on too long because at that point there, there there are no more tactics you're just watching them get squeezed yeah. now there was a main guy that was um ramsey's general right did did we know that guy ahead of time it was that the car stark guy who uh or was that someone else who swore his loyalty his loyalty that to them be. i was not sure who it was but he was clearly the important guy and that he was facing off against john and then got swept away and then was headbutting Tormund, and that didn't go so well for him. I feel like we had seen him before, but he can't have been that important outside of Ramsey. There's a lot of dudes on this show. Yeah. And most yeah. of them have beards. Everybody can write in and tell us how that was totally a guy, and we saw him in season three, episode six, for about 10 seconds, and they brought him back. But, Time uh, code 3352. It, it reminded me a lot of Lord of the Rings, where at one yeah. point there's this one orc when you go, that, that orc's important? Do, yeah. we, do we know that orc? He yeah. seems important. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing, Jason. You mentioned the horrors of war. Film professors seem to have it ingrained in their heads that war movies are the greatest things ever made. So I am so jaded by war movies at this point. <laughs> I'm so bored by these big battles. And not just because, you know, they're, you know, they, this one was very well shot. There was a whole segment that felt lifted right out of True Detective where it followed John with a very shaky cam fighting guys for a solid, like, 60 seconds or so in a single take. And it was fantastic. But I feel like, you know, I, I was bored by the end of it and the spectacle was cool um you know you mentioned civil war earlier i can't tell if you meant captain america or american civil war but either way the gory <laughs> details of these kinds of battles aren't that interesting my favorite moment in the show is when Tyrion gets knocked out in the battle and i think season one or two and he wakes up later and says do we win yeah we won okay and we move on and we didn't need to see that and yeah this is the biggest show on television right now so it gets all the budget for dragons and battles but i I agree with Monty at this point. I didn't, I'm never going to go back and watch this again. Well, well, the hard home battle was, I think a lot clearer than this one last year. Um, but that said, I'm totally going to go back and watch this again. So I, I disagree on that point. I think it was very interesting and exciting. I, I think it's, it's different and it's, uh, and I, I think that's one of the problems with something like this is this is not what the show is, is generally about. 
And so mm-hmm. I think that's a good question of like, is this what we want to see in this show? Is this why we come? Because there, you know, I think we come for uh, other things about character and plot and dialogue that are not just people fighting because this show generally can't afford to do it very often. I do wonder sometimes if this, I was just talking to somebody today about this, the idea that sometimes there's creative people have a compulsion to like show their work and that the audience doesn't actually care about how much effort or what tools you use to do your thing. You just need to do the thing. And this feels a little bit like the producers felt like they they needed to do a big piece like this as a, to show how, how uh, technically adept they are and because audiences want to see something like this. But they so rarely, if ever, give this to us that why would they think their audience wants to see this or needs to see it for it to be successful? Mm-hmm. Now, having said all that, once the battle turns... And a new army enters the field. Yes, finally, finally, Littlefinger's army appears, and they've got their little uh, flags, and, and and they're clean. They're not covered in mud yet, yeah. and blood. And they run in, and then it, then it gets a lot more interesting because the, there's a uh, you know there's a question of like what's going to happen next to these characters because it also yeah. it doesn't help that it's very clear that that is inevitable that they are going to come eventually. And actually, that was a thing that frustrated me about this is that by having them out there on the board and knowing that she called them, come on, they're not going to show up after everybody's dead. That's not going to happen. So I spent the entire time waiting for the cavalry to arrive. And mm-hmm. that's not a fun way to watch a battle when you know that somebody's going to come in and change the course of the battle at the last possible second. Second, but that's what happens. There's a Hope Crosby Road movie where the cavalry does not arrive. Hmm. They spend pretty much half the movie cutting to the cavalry. And at the end, the guy just says, well, what do you know? We didn't make it. Exciting, <laughs> though, wasn't it, folks? <laughs> it's a oh, great man, my, famous, save, uh, my favorite Samuel Beckett play, Waiting for the Cavalry. Waiting for yeah. the Cavalry. But th- there was a couple of shots once that other army showed up that I loved. Like, they're when they first rode in and attacked the shield wall from behind, which is a good way to attack a shield wall, yeah. there was a fantastic overhead shot that really made it clear, this army is messing that army up. Right. <laughs> and then right after that, after Tormund has been awesome and stabbed that guy to death, there is a great shot of Tormund, John, and 1-1 the giant going left to right, just as they climb out of the trap and they just look like they're about to go get stuff done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one great. One thing I wanted to bring up about the shield wall that uh, we didn't really talk about that much earlier. It disturbs me that they that Ramsey was able to instill that kind of playing with your food mentality into his army that he's had this entire run of the show, and the fact that he was able to convince you know however many hundreds of people to have the same sensibilities about killing his enemies and playing well, with them and confining him to smaller and smaller spaces that disturbed me it's i don't think it's playing with, i mean this is a um this is a military tactic that was used in uh what carthage i want to say this uh, is certainly caesar used it yeah i mean this is this is a classical military technique from two thousand years ago um so I, I i would just say they're an army that is trained in tactics and that this is a tactic that they're using with to yeah, defeat the enemy to- once you understand, oh, if we all stand behind our shields and poke people with the spears, they can't really get to us unless they have a giant, but the giant isn't great at reaching over us for some reason. So, all, we, well, 
we'll stay back here behind the shields. You got it, boss. Yeah, and I think they're uh, so. What I'd say, Brian, is that they're they're not buying into anything more than Ramsey being in charge and being willing to kill for him and follow his orders. And then at that point, they're just an army and they're doing that army makes sense. army army that business. Makes sense. It seems perhaps strange to us as modern people, but this is like, this is how, I mean, the, the producers have said th- this battle is sort of based on a, a few historical battle tactics because they wanted to show, uh, you know, essentially a, a, a medieval field battle that with all of its awfulness. Um, and, and they did that. They did. There's no doubt about it. But Ramsey does that thing again, not quite like the Princess Bride, but he does run away. <laughs> uh into winterfell um but uh and they're like well okay we're gonna just do a siege they're not gonna be able to uh to to uh wait us out here so we'll be fine not not really thinking about the fact that there's a giant who's just gonna kick the crap out of a door until it breaks open uh so much for the siege i was hoping that it would rely on John and Sansa having grown up in that castle and knowing secret doors or something. So and, and like Ramsey goes back into his bedroom at the end of the day and they're like, surprise and and, yeah, and kill like him. That, yeah. It, it is more efficient too. to just have the giant punch his way through the door, but yeah. Yeah. Uh and uh and uh this is this is uh it's unclear how bad one one's uh injuries are until Ramsey shoots him through the eye with an arrow. Which yeah. is not that impressive a shot. That eye is huge. Very, All those other archers are terrible. Yeah, very large <laughs> person, this one one. Uh but then then Ramsey's like, Oh, I I've rethought it. Um how about some how about he's like he is more like Prince Humberdink with every passing minute of this episode. Let's do the mm-hmm. one on one uh let's do on the one on one comment combat. And uh it's pretty great because John um John just picks up a shield and runs at him and takes the arrows and keeps running at him until he can just knock him down. And then he punches him repeatedly like he's going to kill him. And then he sees Sansa and realizes, basically, I'm not going to kill him here. Perhaps I'll let her do it. Mm-hmm. To be fair to Ramsey, he maintains his horrible cockiness the whole time, unlike Prince Humperdinck, who groveled at the end. That's true. That's true. Right, right. So a direwolf banner is uh, is uh, is attached to the walls of Winterfell again, um, and and Sansa asks where Ramsay's being held, uh, goes to visit him in the uh, in the the place where the the dogs live, <laughs> where he's killed other people before, um, and she she releases the hounds, <laughs> Smithers. <laughs> And uh, he says, "No, no, no, my hounds—they—they they love me." And she says, "But you said you didn't feed them back when you were being a sadistic bastard to us, and said we, you would feed us to the hounds. But we've done that—we've turned the tables on you." And then the dogs uh, maul him to death. As no, the mastiff came out and licked his face. It loved him. I know. And then it—and then it, it ate him because <laughs> oh, it was well, that. That too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I did. I did like that. It was a, a happy dog that came out and licked his face. And I thought, oh, it's so sweet. And then, oh, this love is tasty. Let's yeah. eat him. Yes. Because we're very, very hungry to our cruel, <laughs> our cruel master can provide us with some sustenance. And she walks away and, and a, a smile uh, appears on her face as she walks away. And that is the end of this episode. Well, there you go. So presumably Sansa now rules in Winterfell. And Daenerys rules in the east and is backing Asha's claim to rule in the Iron Islands. Yeah, 
A lot of ladies Yara, in charge now. I guess Yara, mm-hmm. right? Yara. Oh, Yara, right. Sorry. Yeah, I think she's Asha in the books, though, isn't she? Yeah. There's uh, an Asha and an Osha in the books, so yeah. they made a change, yeah. which outraged some people. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, it's interesting, although we know that Bran is out there. Maybe he's headed back this way. I don't know. We haven't seen Bran. Uh, or maybe he'll radio in through the tree phone. I don't. I don't know what his powers are or where he is. He's with. Uh, he's with uh, undead Uncle Benjen. So, yeah. so that there that he might he might show up. And then we still have not gotten a lot of clarity about John. We have they have gotten very close to revealing <laughs> a secret that might re- might might explain that John is not a bastard after all. And mm-hmm. maybe that'll be something that Bran finally can break to his uh, his brother when he sees him, uh, whenever that is, uh, or calls him on the on the tree phone. I don't know. I don't expect that to happen this season, especially because there's one episode left, and we have checked in with none of the other characters this episode. So there's a lot to tie up next episode. But yeah. I, I want that to happen. It's probably not going to happen until next year. And again, if I've seen things in the tr- in the next time trailer, I'm oh. not going to say anything about it. But I suspect we'll be seeing Bran. I actually don't know if he is going to going to call John on the tree phone or not. But wouldn't that be great if he you did? You would assume that John and Sansa would go to the Godswood that they grew up with mm-hmm. and do some praying in their ancestral tree area. Yes, and perhaps that would connect. I mean, that that's what I've been thinking, and I have no no, no forward knowledge of this, but since we know that the trees kind of connect Bran to everything, if they did that, then perhaps they would be able to communicate with Bran. Uh, or maybe mm-hmm. he should, just shows up with Uncle Benjen and there's a family reunion at Winterfell. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's, it's possible Bran shows up and Brienne shows up and, uh, heck, Arya's on her way, too. Maybe everybody just shows up at Winterfell and they all high-five. Cool. Yeah, that'd be great. And then a dragon flies over and they go, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's now time for my favorite annual tradition. Compare every single other season, uh, episode nine, to this one. Uh Uh, Compared to every other season, this is probably the least surprising of the episode nines. Because when you think about it, we have Ned's death, we have the Red Wedding, we have Hard Home, and we have uh, Blackwater. Blackwater. And of all those things, I mean, there were there were several big set pieces there, but none of them were as surprising as this. We expected the showdown for <laughs> episodes and episodes. Yeah, I would have been amazed had Ramsay lived and John died. I would have respected yeah. it as a crazy decision. Right. I, there was no way that was going to happen. Well, um, so the hard home was episode eight, so they swerved there. Oh. They did their big oh, set mm. piece in episode eight. But I, I know, I know what you mean. I, I feel though <laughs> that um, now that I've corrected you, I agree with you. Um, but <laughs> being you're wrong, and I agree with you. <laughs> That's how I do it. That's how it works. Um, I w- what I would say is what it loses in its predictability, it gains in its. Uh, in the satisfaction of finally killing Ramsay Bolton and also finally oh, yeah. having Daenerys deploy dragons for her own ends. Those are both things that we've been really looking forward to for a very long time. And we got both of those things this week, and that made me happy. Yeah, I'm super happy Ramsay's gone. Yes. Me too. Never have to see his awful sadistic nature again. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so. And those flayed man flags, just uh, the boy, that guy who refused to uh, d- uh, refused to swear to uh, to John when they went and, and visited him because he was really mad about uh, about uh, Rob killing his dad. That guy's in trouble now. 
Yeah. So who's the worst guy in Westeros now? Craster's dead, Joffrey's dead, Ramsay's dead. I want to, well, okay. So here, here what, who are our candidates? Uh, Walder Frey, I'm going to put on that list. Um, mm-hmm. uh, High Sparrow has to go on that list. Mm. I don't I know about Littlefinger. He's dead as of last year. Yeah. Or last episode. Blackfish yeah. is gone. Littlefinger. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> I don't know. The sand, nah, none of sand them snakes. Are as outwardly sadistic. Thank God. I, I'm going to suggest Kyburn, the uh, guy who makes made the mountain into a zombie. Ah, uh, uh, that's a good one. Uh, we haven't seen him do outright evil things, but I bet he would. And he knows he he discovered a secret that we don't know about yet. So that's suspicious. Yeah. I don't trust that guy. Yeah. All right. Well, there's. I think there's a lot of options for terrible people, but. Oh, also, uh, don't forget uh, uh, Theon's uh, and Yara's uncle. Oh, yeah. I kind of like that guy. <laughs> what's, uh, what's he done? He he killed one dude. Yeah, who is not a good dude anyway. Yeah. And he is not, as far as we know, sadistic. And he is not cunning. He is very straightforward. The first thing he did... Upon becoming king, and he became king very straightforwardly. Yes, was say, "Let's go murder those two. Uh huh. So, all right. So he, you're you're not gonna sh- not gonna vote for him. Fair enough. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I I feel he is very straightforward in his aims, and his aims make sense. And unlike Joffrey or Ramsay, we have not seen him go ridiculously sadistic. He didn't say, "Let's go torture them to death." Yeah, that's true. Well, He's but, also horrifically sexist and bigoted, but we'll leave that for another time. I guess technically yeah. the Night King is probably the worst person in Westeros. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but he's north of the Wall, so maybe it doesn't matter yet. Maybe it doesn't count. Um. All right. Well, I think we've done it. I think I. I you know, again, they fight. Right. That that happened. I, yep. I I I don't have a lot of notes there other than that there's a moment where it where the hopelessness is palpable like even though you know the cavalry is supposed to ride in it does feel like uh they're fighting you get the sense for a couple of minutes where where you know they're fighting a losing game that they're not going to make it like like and that that is a thing that i would imagine in these battles is is this terrible thing that happens which is you realize you're you're not gonna win this um and and i felt that was effective as they're getting surrounded like we can keep fighting all we like but it's not going to help we're not going to make it out of here alive unless yeah. the cavalry arrives all right well we have one more left and then we're done for another season um and we've we've already speculated a little bit about what might be in there and if you've seen the next time trailer, you might have some ideas, although those lie. Those are totally misleading sometimes. So <laughs> I can predict that I think Daenerys will be in it and I think Bran will be in it. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think King's Landing will figure in yeah. it. But uh, who knows what surprising things might happen. My money's on Onion Knight and Melisandre finally having a showdown about the daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Oh, that's something that I didn't mention, which is we get that... We get that um, you know, because he finds that thing, um, that's that's not going to be good. He's that. He, yeah. yeah, that's I, I, I wonder how that's going to go, because I feel like either of them could end up being uh, being dead. Um, but my money would be on um, on Melisandre not making it out. 
mm-hmm. alive. I thought it would pay off this episode, and Onion Knight would throw off his armor and sword and storm off and skulk and be upset this episode, yeah. right in the middle of the battle and betray everyone, but I guess he yeah. swallowed his pride and uh, he's going to save it for next episode. I think we're going to King's Landing, because it's about time for all this High Sparrow stuff to start paying off big time. Yeah, we know mm-hmm. that there's that, uh, you know, the trial has been set, and uh, and Cersei and... Uh, and uh, Marjorie's brother are in trouble, so there's got to be something going on there. Plus, we know that Kyburn's got the whole, uh, ooh, I've discovered a secret, the rumors are true, and we don't know what that is, so. Well, uh, Tyrion did mention in this episode I know. about how there's all that dragon fire hidden underneath King's Landing, so I'm speculating some big, crazy thing, like Cersei decides to just burn down the whole stupid city because her kid won't listen to her anymore. I, <laughs> I, well, I, I sort of suggested that last week. I feel, I feel like that that it wouldn't surprise me if that's what it is. If there turns out there's more of that stuff underneath the castle, and maybe Cersei's going to blow up the Sept or something like that. Yes. Um, that would be cool, uh, interesting. Um, but we also have trial by combat that's not allowed anymore, as it didn't. Uh, it didn't go very well for uh, for John and Ramsey, so I'm glad they outlawed in King's Landing. I yeah, guess. trial by combat is silly, but as far as I can tell, everybody wants Sandor and Gregor Clegane to fight. True, mm-hmm. and now they need a new excuse. Yes, maybe it next is a year. barbaric time for barbaric laws of mm. an old time. I'm Tommen right now, apparently. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> what an honor. King Tommen. Yeah. On our podcast. Yeah, R.I.P. Rickon. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Me too. That, I miss him. Yeah. <laughs> Rickon was not on the show enough for me to care at all. I, I, I know. I agree. He was barely on the show when he was on the show, and then he was gone for like a year and a half. Anyway, we're down to the, uh, we're down to Bran, uh, Sansa, Arya, and Jon Snow. Those are our Ned Stark children who remain alive. Oh, well. All right. Well, next week, the big finale. Uh, but until then, we will say goodbye for now from the Game of Thrones flashcast. Monty Ashley, thanks for being here. Thank you, Jason. And Brian Hamilton, thank you for staying up very late to talk to us. Thank you for letting me go to bed finally. <laughs> and uh, I'm Jason Snell. We'll see you next week. Until then, attack or don't. Icarus.